You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Chips. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, future, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm Ryan Fowler. Martin Houston, a little bit under the weather today, and uh, talked to Martin earlier today. We talked and uh, had a good, good conversation, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to catch up with Martin next week. But we'll have a lot of great conversation today. Uh, Joe Gaither going to sit in here for Martin Houston for a couple of minutes, and uh, uh, Joe's been like the permanent fill-in guy for the last couple of days for a lot of different uh, shows, so... Uh, we'll make him work extra hard between six and seven. I go back to an email uh, for those who are listening outside of the area. Uh, do a daily show, four hours every single day uh, from two until six. And I know this show originates out of Tuscaloosa on that same station, but as we uh, syndicated throughout the state, we we look at a couple different things that we've talked about. Today at 11.04, uh, I was walking out of my doctor's office uh went and had to pick up a couple things and uh, uh, do a little bit of lab work, and uh, hopefully I get good results back, right, because uh, I don't need to be scolded by the physician and have to run laps, and uh, he'll make me run laps, and I don't want to have to run laps. But uh, I left, and I, I looked down at my phone, and I've got alerts set up. When anything comes in from Alabama Athletic uh, Media Relations, uh, I get an update on my phone. And I thought, okay, well, this is no really that big of a deal, but I'll read you the, uh, the start of the email. Alabama Athletics transitions to mobile ticketing. Alabama Athletics will transition to mobile-only ticketing and parking enables uh, contactless in- entry into all venues beginning with the 2020 football season. Uh, the shift to mobile online ticketing will provide a safer environment for our fans as well as our help guard against the protection of, uh, excuse me, the production of fraudulent tickets. Uh, the fo- following items will be issued via mobile delivery. Uh, season tickets. I'm not going to read this because it would be boring radio. But but I, I, I got the email, and I just said, uh, slid across, right? I mean, because that didn't really do anything for me. But when you do a four-hour show in Tuscaloosa and you connect with the best fans in the country, I'm always willing to learn, and I'm always willing to sit behind the mic, and we take phone calls, and we are a caller-friendly uh, show. I always like to say we're not caller-driven. We're caller-friendly. Uh, we take a lot of phone calls, and we get a lot of people. Uh, but I kept a, a little tally here, and it was overwhelming with a number of people that did not like Greg Byrne moving. 
I started going on the Twitter side of things. I started looking at different people, and some people pointed this out to me, and I was absolutely shocked. Uh, take a look at different accounts on Facebook, and you will see the comments are through the roof. People don't like this at all. And I know that as, as humans, we don't, we don't like uh, going into change, right? Change was so uh, something that you know just didn't happen, and we don't like it. Uh, we like to be habit-forming humans. We do it. We do it every single day. Uh, we get dressed the same way. We eat the same way. We just want to do it this way, and no other way is possible. But as I'm sitting here and I'm listening to different people make comments, I'm a little bit shocked at the number of people that do not want these paper tickets. Now, let me also say this. I speak from a media side of things, and i got to be honest with you. Uh, when I take my credential off from a national championship game or an SEC championship game, I throw it in a, a little tin bucket that I have that was the Golden Flake National Championship uh just something there, and I always take my credential, and I throw it in this, and I, I keep them, and one day my daughter will probably use it as a, a fire starter. Uh, it'll be good fire starter because it will be brittle and it'll be old, uh, but I save my credentials, and one of the reasons why I save them is it's just reminding me of that moment of time when I had a chance to watch Alabama beat Clemson, or I had a chance to watch Alabama win another national title. I had a chance to watch you know, Derrick Henry uh, rush 45 times for 200-something yards, against our friends from Lee County. I was there that night. And to be able to say that, you look back at those credentials and to say, I watched Alabama win another national title. I watched Alabama create the greatest dynasty in the history of sports. I get it because I'm also one of those that collects things uh, that helps me remind of those great moments. That's why we buy programs. That's why we buy tickets. That's why, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. But I heard overwhelming today with a number of people that said, hey, I like those paper tickets, and I'm not in support of the University of Alabama going to this. I look at it from a financial side of things. Let's just throw out a dollar figure. I was on a show earlier today uh, up in North Alabama, and a guy said, you know, it cost him about 200000 He even knew the company that made the tickets. I didn't know that there was a company in Arkansas that that's what they're dedicated to is creating these paper tickets. They sell them to companies. He said he probably eat you know estimates that uh, estimates that it's probably two hundred thousand dollars for these paper tickets. Right now, Greg Byrne, just like all athletic directors across this country, are saying, "Hold on a minute, I got to cut some corners. I got to cut. Listen, if I have to empty my trash one time every week instead of every other day, and that'll cut up uh, you know three boxes of trash cans, uh, trash can liners." For the end of the week, then I save 20 bucks. Every one of these guys are looking and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? How do we stretch that almighty dollar? Because everybody they deal with is also hurting from this pandemic. Sponsors, generating revenue, they're concerned because they may be looking with a major hurdle. We're talking about attendance inside of that game. How many people will go to the game? Well, we don't know yet. And that number could be quite large or it may be quite small. There may be 100%. That's what we hope. But if they take a hit like we think they'll take a hit, if there's 50%, that's a lot of fans and that's a lot of money that they're going to have to try to find a way to trim. So you look at it from a financial side, could Greg Byrne have been looking at it saying, okay, hey, 200000 for this, 300000 150000 whatever it costs to make tickets, then let's cut this and we'll find a way to trim some edges 
and uh, try to find a way to get athletics back on track because they got to pay a lot of bills, and there's really one sport that does it. Uh, Joe Gaither, I hope all is well. It's good to see you again hanging out with us. Appreciate you setting in for Martin Houston this afternoon. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here, Ryan. I got, go ahead. No, no. Were, were you shocked at the number of people that uh, were against the season tickets? Not really. You, uh, you thought it, it would be about the same? I thought it would be you know, pretty close. I, I thought with uh, a lot of our audience they'd be upset about it. Uh, but I feel like that's the vocal minority. Really? Okay. So you, you feel like that a lot of people are okay with this? That it? I mean, there is a convenience. And let me, let me give you a good example. I've had friends who drove to stadiums and they forgot their tickets. They forgot their tickets. I, I know an individual that drove about four hours, got to Tuscaloosa and forgot their tickets. Well, I think there's a process. But see, the problem is, is if you're an athletic department, you don't know if that person's actually telling you the truth. Let's say that you're registered for those tickets. And let's say that you decided to make a few extra bucks on eBay. You sold those tickets. You made 300 400 500 bucks off of it. And then you, you walk up and say, hey, I lost my tickets. I lost my tickets. Uh, you get those reprinted. So maybe, it, it, you know, because I, I noticed that word that they put in that press release uh, to against the production of fraudulent tickets. Well, can I tell you a little story? One of the first years that I, that I was here with my now wife, it was her birthday. We were playing Arkansas, her birthday weekend. I think she was turning 19 at the time. And I had no money in my pocket. Almost no. Well, I had about $25, $30 in my pocket, right? Okay. And we are out on the quad enjoying the day. It's a 2.30 kickoff on, on, on CBS. You know, this is back when Arkansas was actually somewhat decent. Uh, and we're out there enjoying the sights and sceneries. And we're right in front of uh, the Coach Bryant statues. Well, uh, who's the first coach? Is that Frank Thomas? Yeah. Uh, who was the first coach? The first statue out there, I think, is Frank Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, okay, first so we're out there clo- close, close towards that area. And lo and behold, I look on the ground, and there are two tickets right there. And I stand there, and I look around, and I wait. We wait there. We're standing around. Is somebody going to come back for these? Do What, what do we do? You know, we want to go to this game. We don't have any money. We can't scalp any tickets. We look around. We wait. We must have stood there about 35 minutes, 40 minutes, saying, is somebody going to come back for these tickets? Well, comes down to kickoff. Nobody comes back for it. And I said, we're going in. We're going to watch this ball game. And we walked right into these with, with these tickets. They were in a fairly nice section that we had no business being in. And we got to the seats that were assigned to these tickets, and a fellow nudged me. He said, where'd you get those tickets? I said, well, uh, we found them on the ground outside the stadium right there off Bryant Drive. You know, we stood around for a while. He said, those were my parents' tickets. I said, oh, uh, and, you know, we're young kids. We we, we felt pretty guilty. Well, sure, but what, but what can you do? I mean, Well, you know what I said? I said, you call your mom and daddy, and we'll meet them at the gate and swap their tickets out. And so that's what we did. They, they, the, the parents came, uh, and the lady was as nice as she could be. She gave me a $50 bill and said, thank you for, you know, your honesty. And the, uh, ticket, the attendant at the gate said, you know what, because you're so, y'all can just stay, just go. And so we watched it from the terrace right there behind the bench, uh, for the whole game. And, uh, so, you know, if not mobile tickets are a thing, you know, it, th- th- these are the kinds of things that don't happen. People don't drop their tickets on the ground on the quad while they're having a good time. People don't, you know, 
leave their tickets at but home. It, but in all fairness, when you're walking up and you're seeing the stadium, how many times do you see a finger or two fingers or four fingers up in the air? Plenty. And those people are um, legal, quote, illegal uh, scalpers, right? You're, you're not supposed to sell tickets, but... You know, people do because you may have two extras, right, or or one extra. I, I see a lot of people out there giving me your extra tickets, and people as they're walking in, they they say, "Hey, I got an extra ticket." And I I see a lot of people out there with signs that say, uh, "You know, I I need one free ticket." You know, they have the little poster board. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, uh, somebody will walk up and give you a ticket, and you go to the game uh, because some people have those extra tickets. Well, if you've got this mobile app, you got to transfer that ticket. And so I, I listened to a lot of different people today call, and I thought they made some really valid arguments because, let's just be honest, for all of us who live in Tuscaloosa, game day is like no cell phone, no coverage. Especially if you Verizon's got, pretty good, brother. Oh, it is? Uh, uh, from my own experience. Okay. My company is uh, not where they need to be on that end of things. So I just want to put that out there. Now they're maybe they're gonna find a way to uh, to to change and uh, upgrade, and I hope that happens. But I've been around Brian Titty Stadium many times, uh, waiting for a phone call or trying to make a phone call, and I'm not able to get that out. I'm just saying, if you're underneath that uh, stadium and you're trying to transfer that ticket, it may or may not work uh, when you look about things like that. So I could see where that could be a problem, but I also say that you know you and I may not collect tickets. I collect credentials, which is pretty much the same thing. There are some people out there that take those tickets. I, I saw a coffee table that a guy had uh, taken all of his ticket stubs and he had put them out on a coffee table and then put some type of, uh, I guess it was being polyurethane, and just painted it in, in beautiful, beautiful uh, coffee table with all of his tickets. And he could look down and say, hey, look, I, I watched Alabama kick uh, this team in the teeth. I watched Alabama kick this team in the teeth. So I can understand that side of things, too, from the collectible side of you want your ticket. I mean, I'll never forget my, my first uh, you know beatdown of the Auburn Tigers. I wanted that ticket. I wanted that ticket. And, and that's I can understand that side. So I get it from all different sides. But if you're Greg Byrne, this is one of the areas that we look at. I don't really know, and I don't think I even totally grasp this. I don't think in my mind the amount of financial constraints that are going to be placed on Greg Byrne. How who, who do you think who does who's the athletic department serve, Ryan Fowler? Well, they, they serve a lot of different people. They serve who the prime the primary people the primary group of people that they serve. Well, they for one they they better serve the University of Alabama because so they, you wouldn't say the athletes are the primary people that they serve. Well, they they want to say that. So would you rather have that $200,000 $200, spent on printi printing paper tickets or maybe staying in a couple hotels prior to the night of the game? Well, yeah, sure. Or, I, I, or maybe a couple meals on the road. But but also, let me let me take up for that Or flying to that different ticket. locations. Okay, well, Nick Saban's going to fly regardless. Uh, Not to uh, Starkville. So, yeah, well, <laughs> true. That may be the only one that, uh, uh, that he... he because he sees if you can reduce that by 30, 40 minutes, then uh, they find a way. Man, they, Alabama loves to travel in style, and I get that, and they should be because that, that script day is, uh, means something. But when I back up a couple of minutes and I think about 
these guys who want to do it this way, is it fair to say ticket prices? You got to remember who they're competing with. Okay. If there was three other sports talk radio stations in Tuscaloosa, we would all have to tighten up because there would, the, the market would be uh, flooded, right? We, we'd have to maybe cater to our audience uh, e- even more. I, I think we do a really good job of that. But, I mean, we'd, we'd have to be handing out T-shirts and, I mean, tons of stuff, right? I mean, we, we, we We're would, working on that. I know, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, I mean, we would have to go, like, if we had other stations, and, and competition makes you, the consumer benefits from competition. So it, it's nothing against that. But let's just say that if you're paying the high price, let's say that, you know, you and I are talking about, you know, you found two tickets and we're talking about that. Well, let's say that you're paying, uh, I don't know, $2,500 a ticket or $1,000 a ticket. And you're competing with that 75-inch LED television, 1080. You're able to get up and go to the bathroom. You're able to get up and go to the fridge, whether you're taking adult beverage or a wonderful glass of sweet tea. Or maybe it's a Mountain Dew. Maybe it's a Pepsi. Uh, you got hot dogs that are not charging you nine seventy five. You got programs because uh, you can get the programs anywhere. I mean, they 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 give them away at Bryant Museum on the Monday after the game uh, as they clean up. So if you want to if you want a program, there's other ways you can get a program. But but if you if you look at it, t- take a look at those fans for just a minute. Hundred plus for SEC game. Normal routine, just that's your get in price. That's not your donation. That's not your parking. That's not your hot dog. At what point does this just add to another element, that, uh, another loop that you've got to jump through? Hey, I know it seems easy for you and I, Joe. We're we're young pups, right? I mean, I say that. I mean, I'm I'm older than you are, but we look at the mobile device. It's oh, it's easy. My parents. I'd hate to know they had to download a smartphone and, and give a ticket. I would hate to know that that was an obligation for my parents to try to download this smartphone. Get they, they're in. Uh, well, do they want to go to an Alabama game? Late uh, late sixties, upper seventies. No, no. But uh, I'm just saying, there's got to be people out there that are looking at going. I don't want. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. There's people that don't want that stress. And so for those. Sounds like a lot more tickets available for the young pups like you and me. Yeah, but those are the fans that have supported Alabama through thick and thin, through went through those probation. It allowed Nick Saban to walk into a perfect marriage, and that's why we're able to take this success, because of the, the great fans of the University of Alabama. And you keep ticking them off, and you keep ticking them off, and you keep ticking them off. At some point, they're just going to say, you know what, I'll just watch it on television. I'll just, I'll just watch it on TV. I'll listen to CBS and uh, Gary Danielson, as he always loves to call a great game. Well, listen to Gary and uh, call the game. Brad so, Nessler. Yeah, Brad. I was about to say Vern, but it's Vern's been out of retirement. But uh, uh, Gary and Vern. Vern and Gary was just too much of a almost togetherness there. But you've got to you got to understand a little bit from that side, too, because I know it's easy for us to look at it from, from our perspective because uh, it's a requirement for our job, right? I mean, you don't have a smartphone. You can't even – I don't think you can even be in the media business – I mean, because it's everything we do. So I can understand from uh, both sides. I understand Greg Byrne trying to trim costs, but I also understand those fans out there that are going, hey, man, I want that paper ticket. I, I mean, I'm giving uh, $3,000 for a family four-pack and my donation, and 
I, I mean, what's it going to cost for a paper ticket? I get it. I get it. I get it. Tomorrow, there's a big day. And I got one email that we're going to talk about the besides this t- season ticket thing. If you want to jump in, you are more than welcome to. It's Alabama tradition. It's the past, present, future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, so we come back and we remind you of another big email from the University of Alabama. This one arrived about 3 o'clock. Statement from Alabama Athletics on Steve. Uh, Sark is a guy that when you come to the University of Alabama, a lot of expectations. And I know when you look at this, uh, the name Sark, right? Everybody goes back to the game in Tampa and you go, man, dead gummit. Wish he'd have just ran that football just a little bit more. Uh, Bo went down with the injury. Damian Harris still on the roster, handed off to him. Uh, but the University of Alabama sent out the email. The Alabama football coaching staff participates in an annual executive physical. Uh, during Coach Sark's physical last week, it was determined that he needed a procedure to correct a congenital cardiovascular anomaly. Uh, before it became an issue, Coach Sark underwent a successful procedure this past Thursday, uh, July the 2nd, in Birmingham. It's back home in Tuscaloosa and is expected to make a full recovery, end quote, uh, Sark having a medical procedure. You know, when you think about these guys, you think about, uh, you know, the stress that they're under. Uh, stress does a lot of things. Uh, I took a graduate class one time on stress. And when when you look back at stress impacts a ton of stuff. Uh, you think about the amount of stress these guys are under. Could you be a football coach? I mean, I could for the money. But would you sell your life for football? Because that's what's really what these guys do. Think about the amount of hours that they put in. What do you think the lowest coach in that building puts in? You think it's 80-hour work week a, uh, a week? Good During the season, I bet it's 18, 19 hours there in that building. I, I'd be shocked if it's anything less. I mean, I went by the football building, and you see at 930, Nick Saban's vehicle's still there. You know he gets there six. Uh, no, he gets there at seven. I think he gets there at seven o'clock. I think meetings at seven thirty, if I'm not mistaken. The team meeting. Uh, we're going to replay Yogi Roth coming up in a couple of minutes. This is Alabama tradition. Uh, Gaither, I appreciate you hanging out with me for a couple of minutes. It was fun. Thank you for having me. This Yogi Roth interview is probably one of the best interviews we've had in the last seven days. Uh, like I said, Martin Houston, a little bit under the weather. We'll get things started back next week with Martin and myself. It's Alabama tradition. As we cover the University of Alabama, Yogi Roth, which was a part of uh, Sark's coaching staff out at USC, we'll replay him coming up in just a couple of seconds right here on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms across West Alabama through tonight. 
The high today, 88. The low tonight, 73. Tomorrow, cloudy at times. Scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms are likely. The high back in the upper 80s at 89 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. Right now, we're going to go to a guy... Uh, when we talk about uh, just a very optimistic guy. And I'm curious to get his approach on a lot of these different things. Uh, he's a guy that does the Yogi Roth Show. How great is ball? Uh, he's a Pac-12 network analyst. He's an Elite 11 coach. He's a former assistant coach with one of the great dynasties in college football there at USC. Yogi Roth, welcome back to T-Town. I hope you're having an awesome day. <laughs> Thanks, man. I am. My uh, My wife is due any minute, so if I hang up, it's because we're on our way to the hospital to uh, welcome a human into the into the world here in Southern California. So we are we're rolling here. We're minute by minute here, two minute drill all day long. Okay, okay, all right. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Do you uh, do you have a name? Do you have a name? We do. Yeah, we've got we've got some options. Uh, you know, kind of like a two minute drill. Like you only you only have a few plays on the call sheet, but you make sure that you feel good about all of them. Okay, we got a few names that are finalists, and uh, we're hoping that when we get to meet this man, we will feel kind of his vibe and his energy and, and go with one of our finalists there. Now, who is more nervous, you or her? Oh, me, for sure. But we're both pretty cool in terms of, um, you know, we got a five-year-old, so we're, we're, we, got a, we got a little stable. So we're okay in that regard of kind of been there, done that to a certain degree. Okay. But for me, I've kind of just let go of the thought of, I really don't know what the heck's going to happen. So instead of like having anxiety around like, hey, what's going to happen if this happens or if that happens? I'm just kind of like, you know what? I don't know what the heck's going to happen. So I'm just going to let it go and just try to trust my instinct and show up for her every way that I can. So probably me. She, she's as chill as, as you can imagine a Southern California girl to be, man. She's super mellow and kind of rolling with it absolutely absolutely well man listen best of luck to you in that department and uh uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll think about you and if you have to drift away we completely understand okay we <laughs> we don't want to live play by play all the way to the hospital with uh dad uh in, in in the driver's seat just running over everybody so we we don't, we don't want that play by play but uh yogi i want to get into a couple different things but uh how good was it coming out of the pandemic to get back out on the football field and go through the Elite 11 camp? Uh, well, I'll say this. You know, for me, I stayed in L.A. and did it all virtually. Okay. So uh, that was awesome. I mean, I'll start with the beginning of it. Just the evaluation felt so good. You know, I'm texting with Dilfer and Brian Stump and our Joey Roberts, our staff of core evaluators, you know, George Whitfield, the whole crew that you know. And we're just amped just getting ready for it, you know, because it's such a different year. You, know, you also feel bad for so many quarterbacks that didn't get a chance to show out. Like we missed out on kids that in years past went from, you know, five eleven, hundred and sixty five pounds to six three, two oh five from their, you know, summer a year ago to now. But they we didn't have regionals. You know, I think we only had two of them. So you felt bad in that regard. But then when you wanted to watch the film, especially the guys that got invited, 
man, the juices were flowing. You know, I can only watch so many cut-ups from games that, you know, were last year. Like, there's no spring ball cut-ups for me to watch. So that was awesome. Uh, and then for the staff that was there, I talked to pretty much everybody, you know, obviously throughout the camp and then again today. They, they really enjoyed it. And the, and the players, I think, more importantly than anything, enjoyed it. You know, these are guys that, you know, you'll talk about or I'll talk about, and we laud them as, you know, almost like, you know, we talk about their form all the time, you know, size, speed, ability. But, like, we forget that they're 16 and they're really humans and not being around their high school teams has been really hard and not working out in some of their respective states has been really hard because uh, some of them haven't been able to do anything really since January, you know, when you really think about it. So um, that part of it was beautiful to be able to offer that up in a really safe environment where, you know, we were obviously conscious of social distancing and checking their fevers and all the stuff that you would expect our organization to be about we were. So uh, we felt good, and I think the kids really enjoyed it. Yogi, I've got so many different questions, but let, let me get into quarterbacks because we love to study quarterbacks, and, you know, we're, we're having to adapt uh, quickly you know, when you talk about from Nick Saban type MO to kind of throwing it all over the field and, you know, being a, you know, kind of maybe a run force, run first, excuse me, pass first team. How has quarterbacks changed since take me back to USC days? And what do you see different in the biggest change in quarterbacks now versus then? Man, we could do hours on that, right? Um, but I think just to kind of highlight it for you, I'll, I'll never forget when I was at SC evaluating. I can remember when Timmy Tebow and Jimmy Clausen and obviously the liner, all those guys took their visits or were already there when we were coaching them. Um, guys were pure passers, you know, and that was their unique trait that you pretty much led with. And then I can remember the summer of 2009 was my first year at the Elite 11. And I went to Texas as a, as a TCU. We used to have the camps on college campuses. We used to have it. And I remember going to Tuscaloosa and Alabama's campus. Um, and I remember watching the best athletes be able to deal. And that's when it hit me like, and seven on seven was really getting going in the mid 2000s. Personal TV coaching was getting going in the mid to late 2000s. And you didn't just see the wildcat, you know, remember when that kind of was like the biggest deal in the world, right? I remember the Miami dolphins back in the day when they had the two running backs. Um, I want, I feel like it was Auburn who really kind of put it onto the scene early in college football in terms of, people recognizing and talking about that. We saw it at high school. The best athlete would play quarterback, you know, even when I was recruiting guys. And then in 2009, I was like, wow, the best athlete can deal because he's been coached up on footwork and coverage and ball location since he was 10, 11 years old. And now it might be even younger. So I think that's the biggest one. Uh, so when we look at our guys now coming through, man, they're, they're all unique passers and they all have, uh, a unique trait that isn't just that, right? It's insane competitor. It has gone back to being multi-sport athletes, in my opinion, for a lot of these guys, uh, at least a lot of the special ones. And then, you know, you, you combine that athleticism with being able to deal. You know, Bryce Young, perfect example. Like, I compare his game to, we've talked about this, to Steph Curry. Like, he's the ultimate point guard. He can make creative throws. He can move. He can, you know, keep his eyes downfield. Same tool was, was similar to that. And then once they get cleaned up mechanically a little bit, and Bryce doesn't have much to clean up in my eyes, Tua did, then you're like, oh, damn, like they're lethal. And I think that's probably the biggest one. Um, there's, there's a dark side of that, too. You know, a lot of more quarterbacks are playing catch, in my opinion, versus playing quarterback just because of what offenses have become in high school, which I think 
makes it really hard at times for guys to transition, uh, whether it's just sophisticated offenses in college or in the NFL. But all of that is, to me, an ebb and flow that coordinators are managing at the college level. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. Uh, I mean, you, you, you know the guy better than uh, most, but Adam Kramer did a great article on Bryce Young, the development of from eighth grade Cliff Kingsbury offering him a scholarship uh, to maybe not getting those offers as quick as that happened. And then the the Sark interest and in coming to Alabama, and Adam Kramer did probably 3,500 words, and it was high school coaches, wide receivers. But can I just ask you, where is Bryce better than Tua was at his age? I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. Okay. Um, well, maybe on the next I don't, side. I don't know if anywhere, to okay. be honest. I mean, he's probably a more twitchy athlete in the okay. pocket Okay. in that regard. You know, like like he could probably, you know, uh, check it down maybe a little more naturally to a certain degree. I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's tough. I mean, Tua was one of the best I've ever seen. In high school, he has so many unique traits to him as a passer. Uh, he's the best definition I've ever seen of the it factor, which I define because I used to think it's the most undefinable phrase. So I did a film on it, and he was the star of that film. If you see that documentary, uh, it's on YouTube called Welcome to the It Factory. And the it factor we would define as you walk into the room and people feel you, but you make them better. And two is the best I've ever seen. You know, Jameis was special there uh, when we had him in high school, but two was just different. Uh, in that regard, so I, I don't know. I, I think that's, I think that's tough comparing a guy who won the Natty as a freshman, kind of getting thrown into the fire in the second half to somebody we haven't seen play. And I, I don't know if that'd be fair to Bryce. Okay. Be okay. quite honest with you. Well, and I, I appreciate you being open and honest with me about that. Uh, it's just we, we hear uh, so many great things about Bryce, and it really really to get excited. And without 15 days in spring practice. It's it's just so hard, and it leaves so much to speculate. But uh, the young man's been able to put twenty five pounds of muscle on, according to the uh, report. And his father, we had his father on Craig, and uh, just kind of getting excited about the upcoming. But do you think it will be harder uh, for a freshman to be able to overtake anybody? I mean, not just here at Alabama, without spring practice, with the limitations of all the different things that we're going to go under. I mean, wouldn't that be a, a pretty fair point that that it may be more difficult to take over? Uh, for a freshman to to come in and win a job? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not like Mac Jones is going to lay down. You know, like, he's going up against somebody who's, you know, you go back and you watch it, and Mac didn't have, like, the hype, but he played really well, you know, when you really watch in terms of operating Stark's offense. So, yeah, I don't don't think it's it's a layup. I think it's much harder. And I think the challenging part for staff, the most challenging part for staff, in my opinion, is, you know, a limited camp. Right, a limited evaluation period, and, and not just in terms of you know, they're still going to get the same amount of practices they would a year ago, but it's it's really hard, in my opinion, to say, and I don't care if you're the first team back training or if you're the last team back training, but be like, our guys are ready to go full tilt in camp. You know? So I just think the practices are going to shift. You know, and There's a lot of schools of thought of, hey, let's crush them early and then get their legs back, and I just think that's super old school. I'd imagine Coach Saban and his staff – probably believe in, hey, let's get our guys to be at their best, you know, towards the end of training camp. Because I just think you have to take care of guys with reps. So what does that mean? That means you just don't know enough about Bright. You just don't know enough about any young guy. And I see it out here on the West Coast as well with, you know, whether it's a grad transfer quarterback or young guys at quarterback or a quarterback competition like 
Well, we got Utah, Jake Bentley, the transfer from South Carolina, and Cam Rising, who's been there. Do the coaches trust the guy who's played in huge games before? I don't know. Like, I think that's going to be the biggest dilemma for staffs because they're not going to be able to say, all right, let's go to you know, uh, incredible scrimmages where quarterbacks are pseudo-live and I want to see you do your thing. I don't know if that's really going to happen in this year's training camp because of everything that's going on. Do you feel like that the less time, and I know you're going to get some time back possibly uh, with some of this non-contact, no helmets, no pads, just more, more mental reps and conditioning, but but do you feel like the offenses will be forced to be simplified? I mean, is, is that a, maybe that's a wrong word, but uh, maybe I would say less complex, but I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, do you expect it to see a change in schematic wise to, to maybe make it easier on players with limited time? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair generalization. I, I think most offenses early on in the year are that way anyway. You know, I think it's like, Hey, let's, let's just major in the majors, you know, let's just do what we do and, you know, isolate our, I mean, that's where Sark's brilliant, right? Like you go watch him on tape last year and, you know, they're, they're putting their best players in the most advantageous position, right? This formation against this nickel defender, right, is a, is a simple example, right? What do they want to take advantage to take advantage of against, you know, SC, for instance, right? They don't know the defense they're going to see because Todd Orlando has never called the game there. Uh, they don't know much, right, other than some of the personnel. So, hey, let's just keep it really clean for our quarterback. A lot of probably half-field reads or um, – you know, I call it uh, just pure progression read, which is basically saying I'm not worried about the defense. I'm going to one receiver to two receiver to the third receiver to the check down on my back, just if he's open or not. Right. So I, I just think that's going to happen. Uh, I also think teams are going to run the ball. You know, I think teams are going to try to really eat up the clock. And I, I steal this from my broadcast partner Ted Robinson because he does the French Open in Wimbledon every summer when it's when it's when it's happening. We just talk about unforced errors. I mean, that, that's going to be the game. So the most disciplined teams that historically have had, you know, I think less turnovers, less penalties, I think they're going to be, they're going to win. And I think we're going to see a lot of, in air quotes, like ugly games early on, just based on you know, the reality of, of what we're in. And the coach is also not really knowing, hey, can I trust my guys when it's live? Like, I just, I just don't know because we haven't, we haven't put them in those types of scenarios yet. Well, as much as we love to watch Tua connect with all these great wide receivers, Alabama will always be built on you know offensive line, physicality, the point of attack, uh, probably one of the best offensive lines in the country, and they've got a super backfield. I guess it's a perfect scenario to break a quarterback in. Yeah, no, I mean, look, let's let's be blunt about it. Alabama's loaded. Like, I think last year when I looked at it, they had 69 four- or five-star recruits. Right, by comparison, that's why I thought Utah had such a special season, right? A team that was up to the CFB up until the conference battle game, they had nine. You know, so look, nobody's going to feel bad for Alabama not having enough time to get through spring ball. Like, to your point, like, they're loaded. The culture's awesome. The guys, I'd assume, have been doing what, you know, they were asked to do when they, when they were at home by the new strength, the new strength staff, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, they're bringing back an insane backfield. It reminds me a lot of when we were at SC. You know, I can remember the biggest challenge for us there, and, and I'm sure Sark's talked to you about it if, if you guys have connected, of, yeah, like, we got, we, like we're got almost a video game at times. Like, where do you want to go? We got a dollar tight end. You know, we got a six, three, four receivers. Our quarterback can deal. Our running backs are loaded. Our O-line is way above average, if not special. What do we do? And the challenge for the play callers is always, like, just don't do too much. 
and Sark's been around for so long in that regard, around so many talented teams that uh, you know he's to me he's one of the best in the country. He's a stud. I was I was selfishly bummed he didn't take the Colorado job just because I want to be around him more as the head coach. But the, the offense is going to be fine, and they'll come down to execution and turnovers and, and those little things. And for the quarterback, if it is Bryce, it'll be three throws. I really think every game comes down to three. You know, and it's a third down. It's a critical moment in a game. It's a two-minute drill. It's before the half. Can you get in a field goal range? Like Those are the things that um, the quarterback's going to have to excel at. Once they get into to real life games, I promise. Final final question. I mean, I could talk to you for between now and six, uh, six o'clock about college football. I mean, I'm always uh, just intrigued with the way that you uh, approach the game, and I think it's just a it, it's a breath of fresh air. Yogi Roth visiting with us, the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Mike Leach coming into the SEC. I, I know it's hard to say expectations for the first year with everything. I could only imagine the challenge of implementing a system like what he operates with at, at Starkville without a spring training. But but what do you think long-term, three, four, five years down the road, holds for Michael Leach at Mississippi State? Well, I think he'll shock people right off the bat. You know, like there's talent there, right? Coach Moorhead did a nice job. I've known Coach he, – he was my coach at Pitt. I don't know if you know that. He was a GA. I did not, I yeah. Playing. Um, so it's not like he's running into a place that's got no ability, right? So I think there's that. Uh, his offense is going to move the ball. And they're going to move the ball on people. Like that's just going to happen. This is what they do. Can they execute inside the ten yard line? Right. Like, can they? You know, those are all the questions that we'll find out. And those are the challenges when he faces elite teams. You know, whether it was the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve, or now here in the SEC. So I actually think with his offense, you know, it's really not. Um, it's not. It's not an offense that has like insane depth to the playbook. Right. In fact, like they don't even really have a playbook. They've got their concepts, which are about 12 or so when you kind of add them all up. But what he's brilliant is one repetition, right? So his outside right wide receiver to the field, that's the only place he's going to line up. His slot receiver to the boundary, the only place, for the most part, he's going to line up. So what does that mean? That means they're going to get so many reps in their 28 practices at their exact spot running the same few routes. Right, it's a post route, it's a slant route, it's a, you know, whatever they are based on the position, it's a dig route, right? It's a sit route, it's a slant route, whatever it is, that they really, to me, um, they have an advantage going in versus some of these other teams that have elaborate schemes and systems and checks at the line of scrimmage and all that. So, and then you add in KJ, who you know, I don't want to project him to be the starter. He's still going to win the job, but he was just at the Elite Eleven. KJ Costello, the transfer from Stanford. Uh, and he was dealing, you know, he's going to deal with his offense. So I think that, you know, this is a team that they'll knock off somebody that they weren't expected to. Uh, they'll move the ball. They'll play with a lot of confidence. I don't know really anything about their defense, so I can't tell you if they'll be able to stop anybody. But, you know, Mike's team will move the rock. And then you look at the future, uh, it's going to be a fun place to play. I mean, think about just evaluate the quarterback position. The last couple of years, the SEC has had some juice, right? Very dramatically different than – you know, the previous decade, I think, if we just kind of looked at the list of quarterbacks and come from other Power 5 conferences around the country. So, obviously, Tua has done his thing. Um, you know, you can make an argument at Georgia and, you know, Florida at times. But overall, like, think about offenses in that conference. Like, where do you want to go play? Like, there's an argument that can be made. All right, Alabama, I get it because of what Tua did. It kind of revamped that position, how you look at it, or at least recent history would look at it. But you might say... The state of Mississippi, 
looks pretty intriguing with Lane and Leach. You know, Lane Kiffin and, and Mike Leach being sure. there with what they've done with quarterbacks. So if you're a high school guy and you're saying, hey, I want to play early, right? You look at, obviously, well, everything we've talked about with Alabama and Bryce, et cetera. There is a world where they all of a sudden land a baller. And for Mike, he's never landed a ball. He's just developed them into that. You look at his whole history of guys that have gone to the league. Every quarterback that played for him in recent years at Washington State has gone to the NFL, and none of them were dudes coming out of high school. In fact, like a couple of them were walk-ons. So I, I think Mike is going to do really well. Do so I think he's going to win the SEC title? I think that's a stretch. Um, but I think he'll put himself in the best position to do that. And, and he'll, I bet he'll have a year you know, where, oh, man, it's week 10, and they're rolling, and they're rolling in Tuscaloosa. They got Bama coming into their place, and game day's rocking, and Leach is getting interviewed, and the Pirates and the Swords are swinging. Like, I can see that happening just because that's really his history and what he's done everywhere he's gone, and I expect him to do relatively the same because it's so different than anything anybody's going to see in that conference. Yogi Roth, a Pac-12 analyst, a guy that we always enjoy talking uh, football with. He likes to say, how great is ball? You can find him, yogiroth.com, yogiroth.com. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, connect with him straight up on the social networks and uh, visit with the website, Pac-12 Analyst, and a guy that is uh, going to be a dad times two uh, coming up here in a few hours. Yogi, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, man. Uh, happy 4th of July. Hope you have a great weekend, and uh, hope everything goes well at the hospital, man. Thanks, brother. All right, lots of love to everybody out there. And, hey, let's shut down those parties in Tuscaloosa, okay, that I was yeah, reading about this Yeah, yeah. Shut yeah. it down. I want a season. You want a season. Can we just all just be on our P's and Q's for the next couple of weeks? Because I do not want to see games get canceled, especially the early one, Alabama and USC. Yeah, and Nick Saban's going to have to come talk to the student body, man. I mean, he's going to have to, like, send a message. Yeah, rip there, you know what. Yeah. He needs to be, like, Nick Saban press conference, Nick Saban, like, bring the heat against uh, whoever's at those parties. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Hey, Yogi, yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. All right, later.